day, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen.
Good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 15. And today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6, but we're going to be focusing on verse 1. As you're turning there, I want you to think about something this morning. And it's this question. Has God's view of sin changed? Has it changed over the years? If you think back and you think about God's view of sin in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden and he banished them from the Garden of Eden, till today, has God's view of sin changed? Has God softened his view of sin in any way? As we're thinking about that, I want you to answer this question. What is sin? You know, we've looked at that question before. What is sin? A definition of sin would be that it is an immoral act that is a transgression of the law of God. It's an immoral act that is a transgression against the law of God. Another way you could look at it, it's a violation of God's command. It's a violation of God's word. It's a violation of God's holiness. We can then look at the the Hebrew root word for sin. I'm sorry, the Greek root word for sin, which is harmatima, that means to miss a mark. It's basically missing the mark that God has set. And then we can just continue to define it on and on and on. But the bottom line is it's a transgression of God's law. It's a transgression of God's word, his commands, his holiness. And what we find in the Bible is that God's view of sin never changes. Think about that. From Genesis to Revelation, God's view of sin never changes. Sin throughout the Bible is viewed as a transgression of his law, his commands, his word. And as such, God punishes sin. And we see this in particular with Israel, the sins of Israel. And the leaders of Israel... And when we look at the leaders of Israel, what we're going to find is that the leaders are responsible for the direction of their nation when it comes to holiness and sin. So again, look at Jeremiah 15. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet mine affection could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them depart. And if they say unto thee, Whither shall we depart? Tell them, then tell them, Thus saith the Lord, Such as are appointed to death unto death, and such as for the sword to the sword, and as such as for famine to famine, and as such as are for the captivity to the captivity, 
And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord, the sword to slay, and the dogs to tear in pieces, and the fowls of the heaven, and the beasts of the earth to devour and to destroy. I will scatter them also in all the kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. Who shall then have pity upon them, O Jerusalem? Or who shall be sorry for thee? Or who shall go to pray for thy peace? Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord, and gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out mine hand against thee and destroy thee, for I am weary with repenting. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship, that you would just illuminate your word and just help us to apply what we learn today into our hearts and our life. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be with us, be with those that cannot make it today, those that may be traveling, those that are sick and shut in. We just lift each one up to you and just ask your blessings upon each one. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship. Just be with me. Give me the words to say that it would just touch and edify those that are here. And Lord, again, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's anyone here that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts today. And Lord, just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, what is going on in this passage of Scripture? God is on the verge of punishing the southern kingdom for their sins. Now, if we were to look back at the history of of Israel in general... God delivering them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and mighty wonders and all these different miracles. When they are in the wilderness after that deliverance of God, what happens? Well, they fall into sin. The first thing that we see is they they create idols and they start worshiping these idols while Moses is on Mount Sinai getting the the law of God. Even after seeing the miracles of God, the wonders of God, they fall into sin. They still rebel. And when we look throughout the history of Israel, it's always a history of rebellion, sin, God punishing them, then the Hebrews crying out for deliverance, and then God delivers them, and then they're good for a while, and then they rebel, fall into sin. God punishes them. They cry out to God, and then God delivers them. We see this during the time of Joshua. We see this during the time of Judges. And we also see it sometimes during the time of the kings. It was pretty much like a vicious cycle that they went through. Now, think about what happens when you have the time of the kings. You had King Saul. He led the children of Israel in rebellion. 
Remember, a leader is responsible for the people and the direction of the nation. And what you see with King Saul is when God tells him to go into this area and utterly destroy these people, he doesn't do it. And as a result, the people sin because they don't follow God's command, because Saul didn't follow God's command. And that led to God punishing Saul and taking the kingdom away from him. But then David, a man after God's own heart, what did he do? He sinned, and it caused a civil war. Then Solomon sins and falls to idolatry. And then the kingdom is split in two. And then when the kingdom is split in two, you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and all of the kings in the northern kingdom. According to the Bible, all of the kings of the northern kingdom did that which was evil in the sight of God. None of them were good. And what happens to the northern kingdom? After a while, because of their sin and their rebellion, God punishes them by the Assyrians. The Assyrian Empire destroys the northern kingdom. But then what about the southern kingdom? They had good kings, and they had evil kings. Hezekiah was a good king. His son was something else. His son was named Manasseh. And it's during this time that Jeremiah writes this that Manasseh was king. And Manasseh, if you were to take all the kings of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, all those evil kings in the northern kingdom, and all the evil and good kings of the southern kingdom, Manasseh was the worst king in Israel as a whole. Manasseh was more evil than Ahab. Think about that. Now what was it that Manasseh did? In the Bible we see that he sacrificed his own children to idols. He would take his children and cast them into fire and burn them alive, sacrificing them to idols. It was Manasseh, according to tradition, who had the prophet Isaiah killed. And how did he kill Isaiah? He had him sawn in half, hung by his feet and sawed in half. Manasseh was evil. And what happens? Because Manasseh was evil and rebelled against God, and sinned against God, he led the southern kingdom to rebel against God and sin against God. A nation, a nation is affected by the conduct of their leaders. And Israel was affected by their leaders. And their leaders led them to sin and to rebellion. And you might think, well, Manasseh being an evil king, how could that really affect the people? Turn to 2 Kings real quick. 
Look at 2 Kings 21, verse 9. At what, it's, what it says. It says, yet they obeyed not. Talking about the people. Yet they obeyed not, but Manasseh led them out of the way. But Manasseh led them out of the way to do more wickedly than did the heathen people whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. Think about that. The Hebrews under Manasseh, the southern kingdom... Now remember, Hezekiah had, had died not too long before that, and Hezekiah was a good king. The people were worshiping God. But Manasseh was so evil, he led the children of Israel, the southern kingdom, to sin against the Lord. And they did more wickedly than all the heathen nations that had populated the land before the conquest. The same nations that God told them to go in and utterly destroy. They did more evil, more wicked than those people. So evil that look at what God says in Jeremiah 15.1. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet mine affection could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them depart. When you think about Moses and Samuel, what did Moses do? He led the children of Israel, but he also prayed for the children of Israel. Especially when they sinned and he told God, when they sinned, he told God, he said, you know, if it's possible, blot me out of your book. But save these people. And then Samuel prayed for the children of Israel. And God is saying to Jeremiah, he's saying, tell these people that even if Samuel and Moses were standing before me making intercession for them, I wouldn't listen to them. Think about that. They had fallen into so much sin that God is saying, I wouldn't even listen to Moses and Samuel and their prayers for these people. He said, my affection cannot be towards them. I'm going to cast them out. I'm going to cast them out. God was going to punish the sins of Judah. Has God's view of sin changed since the Garden of Eden? No. He cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden. Now he's saying he's going to cast the children of Israel out of their land. He's going to punish their sins. And then he tells them exactly how he's going to do it. He tells Jeremiah, if the people say, where will we go? He says, tell them this. 
such as are appointed to death unto death, and such as are for the sword to the sword, and as such as are for the famine to the famine, and as such as are for captivity to captivity, and I will appoint over them four kinds or four plagues, saith the Lord, the sword to slay, the dogs to tear in pieces, and the fowls of the heaven and the beast of the earth to devour and to destroy, and I will scatter them also in all the kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. Sword, famine, captivity, death. Then he says, the sword to slay, the dogs, the fowls, and the beasts to devour the slain. And then I'm going to scatter them through all the kingdoms. God had had enough of them. He was going to destroy them and scatter them because of the sins of Manasseh, their leader, but also because of their own sin, because people are responsible for their own sin. Think about that. We can blame the leaders and how evil the leaders of different countries are. We can blame the leaders for being evil and leading the nation in evil. But in the end, people are still responsible for their own sin. Why? Because people do not have to listen to their leaders. The children of Israel didn't have to listen to Manasseh. They had had a good king. They had had a godly king before him. They didn't have to listen to him. They could have said, you're not following the law of God. But instead, they rebelled. They sinned. And as we see in verse 6, their sin led them to forsake God. Their sin led them to forsake God. Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord, and gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out mine hand against thee and destroy thee, for I am weary with repenting. Sin led them to forsake God. It led them to rebel. And that's all sin is. It's rebellion. But it's also forsaking God. Because every time we sin, every time we sin, and Christians are not immune to this, every time we sin, we forsake God. Why? Because we're saying, we know more than you. We don't need your word leading us. We don't need you to be sovereign over us. And we forsake God and go our own way. And we fall into sin. Remember, sin is a violation of God's law. God's command. God's holiness. It is forsaking him. 
And look at what he tells the children of Israel. I'm weary. I'm weary of repenting. What does that mean? I'm weary of repenting. It means he was tired of withholding his judgment. He was tired of withholding his judgment. He was no longer going to withhold his punishment. Over the years, he had done it too many times, withheld his punishment because in the book of Leviticus, remember what he says. He says, if you do the same thing these nations do that I'm going to cast out, I'm going to spew you out of the land. I'm going to destroy you out of this land. But he continued to withhold punishment in that way. Year after year, sin after sin, rebellion after rebellion, he continued to withhold his punishment until he finally says, enough. Enough! I'm no longer going to withhold it. I'm weary of repenting. So again, has God's view of sin changed? Absolutely not. His view is the same today as it was during the time of Manasseh. During the Garden of Eden, it's never changed. Why? God's view of sin has not changed because God never changes. God never changes. We see this in Malachi 3.6. In Malachi 3.6, he says, I'm the Lord, I change not. I'm the Lord, I change not. And then in Hebrews 13.8, what does he say? He says, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And because he never changes, his view of sin never changes. He hates sin. Why does he hate sin? Think about what sin does for a moment. It goes back to the quote for today. Look in the bulletin real quick at that quote for today. It's what Calvin writes. He said, sin makes a division between man and God. Sin makes a division between man and God and turns the divine countenance away from the sinner, nor can it be otherwise because it is incompatible with his righteousness to have any communion with sin. God cannot have sin in his presence. And think about what he does with Israel. Because of Israel's sin, God turns his countenance away from them. He turns away from them. And he says, I've had enough. I'm punishing you. We see that on the cross as well, don't we? When Jesus Christ was on the cross dying for our sins, what does God do? He turns away. Because at that moment, it caused a division between father and son. It does the same with us. 
What has sin caused? It caused our fall. It caused God to punish us. As John 3.18 says, we're condemned already because of sin. That's what sin does. It causes division between God and man. Just as it caused division between God and the Hebrews, and God punished their sin and cast them from the land. He turned away from them, and what happens? He lets them fall into captivity. He lets them fall into captivity, punishing them. God's view of sin has not changed. Any violation of his law, his command, his holiness is sin, regardless of what our leaders say. Regardless of what the leaders say. And just as the leaders of Israel led Israel into sin, our leaders do the same thing. Our leaders do the same thing. But just as the Hebrews didn't have to listen to their leaders, we don't have to listen to ours when it comes to the word of God. Stay with the word. We're to stay with the word of God. And you know, when I was preparing this sermon, I thought about something. Has this nation reached a point where God will not stay his hand of punishment? We see it reaching a point with the Hebrews, but has this nation reached a point where God will not stay his hand of punishment, regardless of the prayers and requests made to him? Is punishment inevitable? I don't know. But I do know that if this nation continues in sin and rebellion, God will punish. Because we see it in his word with his chosen people. That is why we must follow God over man. That is why we must share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all who who has ears to hear it. That is why we must look to the word, we must keep the word, and follow the word of God. Keep and follow the commands of God. But again, it begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing his word. Speaking out against sin and wrong we see. Regardless of what people will say. Regardless of what people will call us. Or will be labeled. Because God's view of sin has not changed at all. Thus our view of sin. Our view of wrong. Must align with his. And his word. We must stand on the word of God and we must tell others about Christ because he is the only way to overcome sin and rebellion. But above all, we must follow God. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before, I just thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can just learn from your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us. 
I was going in this time of invitation. Again, Lord, I just pray that you would just overshadow us. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.